Hello, and welcome to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Shirley, and I'd like to thank you for taking the time to listen. Each week, we will be releasing sermons and studies delivered directly from the pulpit at our church. Our goal with this podcast from Calvary Road Baptist Church is to make the gospel and sound biblical preaching more available to a wider audience. We hope that these sermons will be a blessing and an encouragement to you each week. As the scripture reads in Psalm 119 and verse 116, Uphold me according unto thy word, that I may live, and let me not be ashamed of my hope. Now, let's hear from God's word. 1 Samuel chapter 4. And uh, I want to express my gratitude to this church. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to come preach. I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to be with you all. Y'all have treated me so kindly, and uh, I'm undeserving of that. And I'd be failing God and failing you if I didn't say thank you for the kindness, the kind remarks, the text messages, all the above. It's been wonderful. I mean that. It's been wonderful uh, to get to come and be here. I was honored when my brother asked me to come and to preach. And uh, I appreciate his desire for this church. I do. Um, Again, I mentioned some of this the other day. You know, uh, Paul, my brother, Pastor Paul, Brother Paul, whatever you want to call him, um, he's blessed, isn't he? Amen. He's just got so many uh, blessings in his life and in his ministry. And, uh, you know, y'all don't know this, but he had a lot of churches chase after him. And he's probably never said nothing like this, and and I can. (laughs) And he's a little uncomfortable, and I enjoy that. Amen. He had a preacher in Tennessee one time tell him, Man was stepping down from his church. Paul, my brother Paul was, I don't know how old, early 20s, I believe. And this man said, I'm leaving this church, and you're the next pastor. And God told me that. And Paul said, well, I appreciate him telling you that, because he ain't told me that, amen? And it didn't happen, but throughout the years, it's just been church after church. Pursue him, and, uh, and I remember... I remember, Brother Joe, when God started dealing with him. And him called me, or uh, no, he sent me a polo. He was sitting in a, a van that was owned by our cousin that runs an HVAC company. Paul was working for him. And he sent me a polo. That's an app that you send video messages. And it was like 10 minutes long. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was long, man. And he's just like, you know, man, I, I think God's telling me to pastor, and I don't know where, and I don't know who. He's just like, but I really have gotten, like, free, gotten confirmation here. And it wasn't long, Calvary Road started calling, and he came up here and went to preaching, and it just made sense. Well, I'm thankful for God, ain't you? And uh, I'm thankful for my brother's desire to be here, and I'm thankful for y'all's desire to be here, desire to grow I'm stunned that he asked me to come preach revival thinking it would help because I know me. And I hope that these messages has helped. I mean that. I mean that. And I want to give you one more tonight that I think will help you. I believe that. I believe this is important. I want to address a, an issue, somewhat of an issue in our hearts and minds. And I'll probably be a little bit in a different gear tonight than I usually preach. Just bear with me. But uh, we are in 1 Samuel, we're in in chapter 4, and uh, the previous chapter, chapter 3, is a wonderful chapter. Um, If you want to know about it, ask my son Josiah, he'll tell you all about it after service. He learned about it in Sunday school the other day and did a fine job telling me and his mama about uh, Samuel, how that Samuel uh, was uh, spoken to by God, and how that Samuel thought uh, that it was Eli, and he shows up to Eli. He's like, hey, what's up? What do you need? And Eli's like, I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? Sam's like, I heard somebody holler for me. And he said, well, it wasn't me. And after the third time, Eli said, next time that happens, you need to talk to God. You see, because God's word in that day was scarce. They didn't know nothing about it. 
hadn't heard from God because of how dark the nation of Israel had gotten. And at the end of chapter 3, God lays some things out for Samuel. And God speaks to Samuel and tells him uh, that Israel is in a bad state and that he's going to punish the nation of Israel uh, and that it stems from their leadership and how Eli was failing to be what Eli was supposed to be. Eli had a pair of boys that he let ruin the priesthood. That's what he did. And the Bible says that Eli failed them because he restrained them not. It said because he restrained his children, his boys, because he restrained them not, the Bible says they made themselves vile. It's because that's what mankind does. Amen? The Bible says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child and that the rod of correction shall drive it far from them. That's what the Bible says. We're Bible believers. Say amen if you're a Bible believer. Now, it doesn't say beat the living devil out of your youngins, and I mean abuse them, but it says the rod of correction shall drive it, that's foolishness, far from them. Well, in some capacity, Eli did not participate in such activities because the Bible tells us he did not restrain them. And what did they do? Why? They made themselves vile. You know what's interesting about Eli's boys? They was brought up around the right stuff. They, were, they participated in the activities of the right stuff. They were given titles and roles in the realm of religiosity, and they still made themselves vile. Why? Because they did not tell themselves no and their daddy and their mama didn't teach them to do so. Amen. I didn't come like preach on that, but boy, we need it. We need it. And if there's one thing that Calvary Road Baptist Church is blessed with, it's little ones. And it starts there. And I don't want to stand before you tonight and, and try at all to cause you to think that I know more than you know about how to raise them youngins, but this is what I'll tell you. I'll tell you, if we don't go to that book as our guide and instruction, we'll fail them. Amen. We'll fail them. Uh, we don't need to listen to what Oprah Winfrey says about how to raise children. Amen. I don't care what Dr. Phil says about how to raise children. I don't care about what the view or the talk or the mouth says about how to raise children. Amen. And I know Hillary Clinton said it takes a village to raise them, but I just don't trust the Clinton as far as I can throw them. Amen. Amen. I hope that's okay. I'm not trying to offend you. I'm telling you guys that the world would have us to believe that they know something about how to raise these babies, and we better get back to the book. Here's a man named Eli. Listen to me. He was the judge of Israel. He was as high as you could be in the realm of God's chosen people, and he failed God in raising his children. I can't tell y'all how many peers that my brother and I and Miss Brooke and Miss Heather, you know, we growed up together. Miss Kaylee, uh, uh, Brother Cameron, I mean, we was around one another. I mean, I can't tell you how many people we saw growing up side by side, rubbed shoulders with them, that went to all the teen camps, that went to Sunday school, that that went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, went to the camp meetings, went to the revivals, went to the youth rallies, but they're not here today. Why? Because they had no refraint at home. Because you can't, you can't expect the church to be the only influence on your youngins. That's exactly right. We want to think, as long as I take them to church, as long as I've got them where they're supposed to be in regards to church, I can do whatever I want and everything will be fine. No, no, no. No, they're going to spend vast majority of their time in your home and around you. And if it ain't the same at home as it is at church, then it's going to be a massive effect on their life. Amen. I'm sitting at the barber shop there in Russell Springs, Kentucky. I hadn't been, I hadn't been pastoring long at all. And it's the same barber shop I go to today. And I went in there and I sat down and I introduced myself. And, and at the time, I was like 24. I started pastor. I was 24. Ain't that unstinking believable? I'm telling you. And uh, <laughs> I came, <laughs> praise God, amen. And uh, I'm sitting there and 
You know, I'm getting my hair cut, and they're like, what's your name? Caleb Shirley, what are you, where, what are you doing? Why are you here? I said, well, I said, as a matter of fact, I said, I pastor Grace Baptist Church right there behind the hospital. They said, really? I said, yeah. Yeah, I know. They said, well, you're young. I said, I'm very young. I said, I'm 24. They're like, oh, my goodness. I said, I know. It's crazy, but uh, we're giving it a try and believe it's God's will. And he said, wow. He said, what, what, what's your story? I mean, why, what, what in the world? I said, well, I said, I was raised in a preacher's home, a preacher's son. Pastor's son, he said, really? I knew words immediately by the tone of really. I said, yeah. He said, well, you're in the minority. I said, what do you mean? I knew what he meant. I'm a PK. I've heard it my whole stinking life. Them preacher kids are the worst. I said, well, I said, you know, some instances you're right, sadly. He said, yep. He said, and I believe I know why. I said, well, do tell, Barber, since you've got everything figured out. He said, well, you know, I hate to say, I said, you've done said it, just tell me why. He said, I just think they get God shoved down their throat so they don't like it as much. I said, well, I appreciate that opinion. I said, but I totally disagree. I said, you can't get too much God. I said, I'll tell you the problem. Y'all ready? Daddy at church ain't the same daddy at home. It's sad. But the reason a preacher's kid would ever abandon what that book says is because it's not real to him. And look here, and preacher's kids ain't the only ones that are, if you will, uh, uh, victims of such an instance. Amen. It's across the board. Right. I, this ain't even in the message, but you're welcome. <laughs> Eli's problem was he didn't do the same things at home that he was doing in front of Israel. And his boys knew it was a show, and his boys knew it wasn't real, and they were, listen to me, taking advantage of their positions. I'm talking about heinous and wicked activities were being accomplished by these sons of Eli. And guess what God said? The nation of Israel will be punished over what's taking place in the realm of leadership. Now we're at chapter 4. Look what the Bible says in verse 1. The word of Samuel came to all Israel. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. Notice, and the Philistines put themselves in array against Israel. <clears throat> and when they joined battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army in the field about 4,000 men. And when the people were coming to the camp, notice the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord of, out of Shiloh unto us, that when it cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh, that they might bring from thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims, notice, and the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were there with the Ark of the Covenant. How about that? They've sent the two sons of Eli to go get the presence of God. Are y'all seeing something wrong? Verse 5. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, all Israel shouted with a great shout so that the earth rang again. And when the Philistines heard the noise of the shout, notice, they said, What meaneth the noise of this great shout in the camp of the Hebrews? And they understood that the Ark of the Lord was come into the camp. And the Philistines were afraid, for they said, God is coming to the camp. And they said, Woe unto us, for there hath been or not been such a thing heretofore. Woe unto us, who shall deliver us out of the hands of these mighty gods? These are the gods that smote the Egyptians with all the plagues in the wilderness. Be strong and quit yourselves like men, O ye Philistines, that ye be not servants unto the Hebrews as they have been to you. Quit yourselves like men and fight. And the Philistines fought. And Israel was smitten. And they fled every man into his tent. And there was a very great slaughter for their fell of Israel. Notice, 30,000 footmen. And the ark of God was taken. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were slain. That'll be all the reading this evening. 
want to preach a little, little while on this thought, the echo of revival. The echo of revival. First thing I want you to notice here in this passage is the assault of the Philistines. When you study your Bible, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that there's a lot of entities that represent the world. Evil, wickedness, the flesh, the works of Satan. One perfect example of the world in typology is the Philistines, are the Philistines. These Philistines were wicked, paganistic, ungodly men that did whatever their flesh and feelings dictated for them to do. And that's exactly what the world uh, is trying their best to do in regards to infiltrating the lives of God's people. The world would have you and I simply do whatever this flesh tells me to do. And that's why you've got people that are convinced that heinous and wicked sins such as sodomy and homosexuality and drunkenness and, 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 and fornication and adultery, I'm using biblical terms tonight because that's what they are, uh, uh, the world would have you to believe that all these things are okay as long as your body tells you that they're okay. And God would have us to realize that whatever we feel is right does not mean uh, that it's right because our feelings are not our authority. If, our, if your feelings is your authority, then, then, then relativism is truth. Relativism is this idea that whatever you believe to be true is true. And that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Amen. That's so foolish and ignorant. There's no grounds for such a foolish ideology that if you feel it to be right, then it's right. No, there's what's called reality. Amen. Reality. And what's real is that you and I have been made by God and given instructions by God for what's right and what's wrong. And our obligation is to submit to right and true. And these Philistines have assaulted the nation of Israel. And we see their constant daily assault. We see here that their assault was daily. We see their assault was diligent we see their assault was detrimental. Listen to me tonight, friend of mine. I don't know if you're aware of this. I'm sure you are. But the world is real good at what it does. And there's been many preachers, for whatever reason, try to downplay and try to downgrade how strong the world is or, or how smart the devil is or, or how cunning he is. Let me tell you something. When you underestimate the world and you underestimate sin and you underestimate temptation and you underestimate the devil, you're in grave danger of ruining your whole life. That television set is very dangerous. You better handle it with tender care and wise understanding. Amen. 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 That cell phone is dangerous as a rattlesnake in your pocket. And sir, if I was you, let me just be, I am you. I'm a red-blooded redneck from Sinks Road, Kentucky. And I have a temptation just like every other dude walking. I, I ain't no better than anybody. And one day, when these smartphones got even smarter than they'd ever been, I walked up to my wife and just throwed it to her. And I said, you do something with that so that I don't see the stuff that I'm seeing on that. Because I'm a red-blooded, sinful-natured dude. And I can't stand the thoughts of this ruining my marriage. Amen. Sir, what business do you have carrying a conversation with the member of the opposite sex that you ain't married to? Well, she's my best friend. That's ridiculous. That is dangerous, sir. You're going to ruin your marriage, sir. Ma'am, he's my best I've known him my whole life. Well, that's cool. And you can be friends, I'm not saying that, but you're carrying a separate conversation with somebody of the opposite sex outside of your husband or your wife's... Uh, and do you realize the danger? Oh, it's not that big a deal. Listen to me, sir. Listen to me, ma'am. You are setting yourself up for temptation that you don't want to have to deal with. It's preaching time. What are you getting at? I'm talking about 
the assault of the Philistines on them is the exact same thing as the assault of the world on the Christian. You can't even drive from Russell Springs, Kentucky to Jamestown, Kentucky on 127. It's like a 12-minute drive without seeing a half-naked woman on a giant billboard advertising Lake Cumberland. That, and that's in rural... We don't even have a Walmart in Russell County. We don't, we don't, they just closed Kmart down. Amen. It's a big, giant, empty building. Why? Because there ain't nothing there. But there's a half-naked woman as big as this church building standing up as high as you can see going from Russell Springs to Jamestown. What is that? That's the assault of Satan. That's the assault of the devil. And you know what we better do? Recognize it for what it is. It's dangerous. It's cunning. It's smart and it's strong and it's too strong for you. Oh, you don't know me. David was a man after God's own heart and standing on a rooftop, he saw Bathsheba in an inappropriate way and he might near throwed away everything God gave him. Why? Because he saw something and experienced a temptation that he could not bear. And you think you can? You think, you th God help us. Parents, listen to me. I'm just preaching tonight. I hope we're all right. I've been good to you. Amen. Hey, you think your teenage boy can tolerate this without a filter? Amen. I've got two teenage girls, and they are as gorgeous as the morning sun. They're half Mexican, and they're beautiful. And you boys better watch it. I'll kill you. Amen. <laughs> I mean, Brother Joe, they're precious and pretty. I pack a tobacco stick everywhere I go, son. If I see a boy, I put it in his face. I'll kill you. Amen. I'll beat you with this stick. We took him up here to Noah's Ark, and I had a boy chasing him. And Brother Tony Santabanez, he goes to our church. You ask him about it. He still gets scared thinking about it. I walked up this morning. I said, get away from my girls before I murder you. <laughs> Brother Joe, they're gorgeous. And look, and, and I'm, I'm being real with you. We, you know, God gave them to us. When they came in our home, guess what they had? Smartphones with no filter and Snapchat and TikTok and Instagram. And... and we've had to be real vigilant and diligent to get all that stuff under control and to run them boys away. Why? Because it ain't just the boys that struggle with sin. And them girls have temptations. And them girls have things. You know what you better do? You better look at sin for what it is. How many of y'all, if I throw a copperhead snake right here, how many of y'all just walk up and grab it? None of us, if you got any sense. Unless you're smart enough to know how to kill that sucker. And that's what you'd do. You'd shoot him, or you'd pop his head off as fast as you could, right? Well, listen to me now. That's how we ought to be handling sin. Like a venomous viper. For that's what it is. These Philistines were not to be handled nicely or gingerly. They were to be warred against and destroyed. It's a daily battle. It's a diligent battle, and it's detrimental. If you don't treat them as serious as they ought to be treated, you will be overtaken. I've seen preachers, deacons, Sunday school teachers, piano players, you name it. I'm talking about people that's faithful, beyond faithful at every... I mean, people that are in church every night of the week. Lose it all. Why? Because they treat the enemy like it's not that big a deal. You better be di uh, diligent. We see the assault of the Philistines. I need to hurry. We see the alarm of God's people. There in verse 3, the Bible says, they're somewhat confused when the people were coming to the camp. Notice the elders said, Wherefore hath God, or the Lord rather, smitten us today before the Philistines? Why is God? What's God doing? How, how could this happen? They said. Well, if they, if they were smart, they ought to know. You reap what you sow. Amen? Let me tell you something, friend. I said something about this last night. Our God is not a genie in the bottle that just does whatever we want Him to do. Our God is a righteous and holy and, and true God that does right no matter what. 
And he's not giving us the liberty just to live in sin. Hey, I said he's not giving us the liberty just to live in sin and do whatever we want, never have any hard times. No, friend. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you. You're going to go through some hard times, and you deserve it. And you need to come to terms with that. I deserve it. I deserve the suffering that comes my way. I'll never forget sitting over at New Manor's men's, men's leadership sessions there on a, on a morning session. Brother Lee Davis, Pastor Lee Davis stood up. Frail, he just beat cancer. He was skinny as a rail. Uh, just didn't even look like the same man. And he stood there and taught a bunch of greenhorn dudes on this topic. The Saints School for Suffering. And he made a statement I'll never forget. He said, I stopped asking God, why me? He said, and I started asking God, why not me? Why wouldn't you give me the hardest battle I've ever fought in my life? Why wouldn't I have cancer as compared to anybody else? God, I deserve it more than any other man. Are you listening to me? A, a, a war horse for God, Brother Lee Davis. He said, why not me, God? I deserve this. Y'all listening? This army of Israel, you know what they were doing? They were confused. They're throwing a fit. God, why are you doing this to us? But you know what? We don't only see their confusion. We see a solution. You know what they do? They say, let's go get the presence of God. You know what I need in my life? I need some revival. You know what I want? I've got, hey, look here. I've got the Philistines breathing down my neck. I've got, I've got the, the enemy coming after me. i tell you what I need to do. I need to try to get around the presence of God. What about this? I need some glory in my life. And we all look at that and we think that's a great idea. And guess what they do? And they send Eli's boys, Hophni and Phinehas, the ones that got them in the mess they're in in the first place, let's just be honest. And they get the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant where the Bible says God dwells between the cherubims. The literal manifested presence of God on this mud ball of a planet, they went and got it. Here's my first question. How'd they lose it in the first place? Why is it gone? Why hadn't they been appreciating it enough to make sure that they had it before they went into battle against the world, the Philistines? Why is it that God's people is so foolish to think, hey, I'll just live however I want to. I'll do whatever I want. I'll party. But now, when the problems come, then and only then, I'm going to go and try to find the presence of God and get around Him so that all my problems just get removed from my life. He ain't no genie in a bottle. That's not God. He's righteous. He's holy. He's true and He's good. And so they find a solution. They go get it. They find a resolution. Let's bring it together. And everything's going to be alright. The alarm of God's people. Next, I want you to see the acclamation of praise there in verse 5. And when the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came into the camp, notice all Israel shouted... He's having camp meeting. I can see it now. Somebody struck a chord on some instrument. The Ark of the Covenant was sitting where it was supposed to. Everybody stuck their arms up and started shouting, Oh yeah, glory to God, hallelujah, praise be His name. And guess what the Bible says? They all shouted together so loud that it echoed. It said that the earth rang again. There in verse 5. This is the acclamation of praise. It was a shout of excitement. Boy, I'm thankful for shouting. Let me tell you something. Shouting in church and shouting in praise to God is scriptural. Amen. There might be some things that's not scriptural, like diving in a baptistry. Like slinging a songbook across the sanctuary. Y'all listening to me? Like picking up a pulpit and running around and shaking it. Like, like those things are cool, whatever. You know, there's guys that get, get a kick on all that. Not really scriptural, let's be honest. Amen? Let me tell you what it is. Shouting. Amen. Shouting, glory, 
and praise to God is scriptural. And guess what? They're shouting praise to God. They shouted so loud that there was an echo, the Bible says. We see this shout of excitement, but in all honesty, it was a shallow explanation. And there was subsiding enthusiasm. Say, so what do you mean? You know what, a, you know what an echo is? It's a repeating of what's just been shouted, but, listen to me, it's not as loud. You know what eventually happens? It dissipates to silence. A shout is good. A shout is scriptural. I'm for shouting. You leave tonight and say, Brother Caleb's against shouting, I'm going to say you're the liar. I'm not against shouting. Let me tell you what shouting don't do. It don't remove a multitude of sins. Let me tell you what shouting don't do. It don't remit the failures. Now God would have you to shout praise to Him. But if you think shouting is going to solve all your problems, you're sorely mistaken. Israel has just got whooped by the world. Israel has just been embarrassed by the Philistines. And Israel, in their awe of God's chastisement for them, looks at God and says, God, why are you doing this to us? Uh, we got to do something, boys. What do we do? Well, i tell you what we do. We have us a survival meeting. Let's get God back in our life and let's shout it out and give Him praise and everything's going to be all right. That sounds like a lot of Southern Independent Baptist churches. We're going through hard times, man. What's the problem? Why, why are we suffering like we are? Why are things happening like this? Let's, I tell you what, let's have a big time evangelist come in. One of them that can really elicit a response from the people of God. Let's bring one of them in that knows how to work a congregation. Come on. Don't die on me. And look here, and we'll get in there and he'll make us feel good, son. We might just even have a shouting fit. And we'll see the move of God. And people will finally rejoice together. And then we'll get some life in this church. Do you know what happens when you leave a building after shouting it out and going back to the same mess? The same mess is still there waiting on you. Hey, I enjoy praising God. But see, when you just try to get in on the praise of God and you don't actually do business with God, you're wasting your time. I said you're wasting your time. It's kind of like, <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, me messing up and forgetting to do something or take care of something as a husband. How many of you husbands know what I'm talking about? How many, <laughs> brother back there went, how many of you husbands know you got a problem listening? Cameron, about it, amen. What about it? What about it, Scott? Huh? Like, I'm sorry. Let me put my phone down. Say it again. How about that? How many of y'all have had to do that? Because you didn't hear anything they said. And your wife is done because she's been fighting with the kids all day and you're a failure. And you know you've, you've just stabbed her in the chest and so you're like, you know, you're looking so beautiful today. You know what that does? Nothing. What are you, you say, what are you saying, Brother Cub? Something needs to be done. You've got to make something right. You've got to repent. You can't be too big to say you're sorry. You can't be too big to say, I've been wrong, and I've got some things to make right. But you know what you find Israel do? They thought, we'll shout it out. We'll not change at all. But God will be so impressed with us and our praise to Him that he'll forget all the problems we've got going on. You know what that shout was? That shout was fading, it was faint, and it ultimately failed and went silent. Oh, but the earth rang. Did y'all hear what a shout? Yeah, yeah, we heard it, but guess what? Now we don't hear nothing. And what did Israel do? Hey, listen to me. Went right back out into war against them. And they had the same embarrassment take place there in verse 10 and 11. Their acclamation of praise. I'm for praise. 
Don't leave tonight and say, Brother Caleb ain't for praise. I'm for praise. Here's the problem. We've convinced ourselves that praise excuses a lack of repentance. Y'all listening to me? We've convinced ourselves that God will just let us get by as long as we give Him glory. Let me tell you what God won't do. God won't tolerate sin. Do you hear me? And God has given us an equation. I used to love math. I ain't no good at it anymore. I said this a second ago. You reap what you sow. That's math. You sow to your flesh, you reap corruption. Sowing plus flesh equals corruption. That's pretty simple. How about this? The wages of sin is death. There's your equation. You, 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 you live life in sin, it brings death to your life. Period. Plus, plus nothing, minus nothing. But if you sow to the Spirit, you shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You say, what are you getting at? If you add the Spirit to that equation, I said if you add the Spirit to that equation, and you add repentance to that equation, guess what it will do for your life? It will remove the death, it will remove the corruption, and it will bring life into existence. Are you listening to me? And so here, guess what we have? We've got people that is sown to their flesh and sown to their flesh and they're trying uh, to appease God with their flesh and now here they are and they're expecting God to appease them and what do they find? A worse corruption. Thousands and thousands of footmen die. Why? Because they didn't do business with God in regards to, listen to me, their sin. Their sin. And what was, their, what was their sin? Hophni and Phineas. Taking advantage of their positions of authority and using it for their own lascivious and wicked goals. You know, the Bible tells us that Samuel told Eli what God told him. And you know what Eli said? Let God do whatever He thinks is right and good. And let me just tell you something. God's going to do whatever's right and good. You know what that is? He's already given us a promise. If we'll repent, if we'll believe, and look here, and ask Him for forgiveness, He'll hear that prayer. But you know what? You know what Eli's problem was? He couldn't stand the thoughts of addressing his boys for their wrongdoing. And that sounds like parents today, don't it? I don't know why I'm preaching this in this context. It just, it's just there, and so here we are. But, you know, I, I remember I was listening to some ESPN radio one time. I used, to, I used to listen to ESPN and watch it way too much. Now I can't hardly stomach it. But I was listening to that, and there was this guy on there. I can't remember his name, but he, I remember he's a big Boston fan. And they were talking about whipping your kids, spanking your children. And this is what he said. He said, you know, he said, I tried to spank my boy one time. And he said, and he made a noise like I've never heard. He said, and I made a vow I'll never do that to him ever again because I just couldn't stand to hear the noise that he made after I spanked him. Let me tell you something. It's just a simple question. If he quit spanking that boy because he couldn't tolerate to hear the noise that that boy was making, is that a selfless thing or is that just because I don't want to hear that no more? Are you listening to me? Like, I'm talking about being a daddy. I'm talking about I can't stand whooping that boy. <laughs> I hate spanking my son. I got home the other day. He's sitting in his bedroom. He's playing. He loves to play. He loves Pokemon. I'm raising him. I'm raising my brother. It's a fact. It's okay, though. I love my brother. I love that boy. He's playing. He's doing great. It's time to eat supper. He comes in there and sitting on my plate with some food with some tomatoes in it. He don't care for tomatoes. He said, Daddy, I don't want tomatoes. He starts to fuss. And I ain't eating that if that's what we got. Well, that don't work. Man, I was raised. Your mama spent time to make that food. You eat it or you eat nothing. You ain't going to go make something else. You're going to eat that or you're going to be hungry. That's how I was raised. That's how we live. It's just, that's a rule. 
If you don't live that way, that's okay, but that's, that's our standard. And that boy started throwing a fit, Brother Joe. And I said, now, son, look at me. And he did this number. He went, uh. I said, son, I said, look at me. Uh. I slid my chair out. We went to the bedroom. We shut the doors. Discipline was given. And when I got done, and this is what we do, I said, now, son, why did that just happen? Because I was being hateful and I was being mean. I said, right. I said, but now why did I spank you? He says, because you love me. And I said, that's right. I said, I despise having to spank you. I don't want to. I, it's not something I enjoy. But even though I don't enjoy it, I said, I love you. And you're not going to act that way. Because that ain't how men act. And I've seen men act that way. You want to know why? Because they didn't have a daddy love them enough. I said, they didn't have a daddy love them enough to say that ain't going to fly. Now, he still struggles. And we didn't accomplish everything going to have to be accomplished. And he, I'm reaping what I've sown, you see. But now, I was, I was trying my best to teach him. The other day, he's in his bedroom. He's got his sister's baby. He said, now, baby, I don't want to spank you, he said. I'm like, oh, my Lord, help us, Jesus. I don't know what this is about. You know what Israel needed to do? They needed to get right with God. You know what you never read in this passage? Lastly, and I'm done, we're going to see the answer. The answer to their problem. You know what they never did? They never repented. They never, you never see reformation. You never see Israel say, we're wrong. God's judging us for our sin. If you go read the book of Joshua, guess what you're going to find out? Joshua goes into Canaan land. They're whooping everybody they face until they don't. They get beat by Asa. Joshua goes to God. He's like, God, what in the world's going on? Tell me where the sin is. And God said, there's sin in the camp. Joshua immediately goes to the camp. He says, there's sin in the camp. Sure enough, some old boy had stole some stuff and hid it. And guess what they did? They sifted out that sin, got rid of it, and then God started blessing them again and giving them what they stood in need of. You know what they do here? They just try to make God feel better about shouting at Him. And that don't work. And it don't work in 2022. Our televisions are littered with wickedness. Our conversations at work, at school, and our friendships is, it doesn't have a thing to do with God. We're heinous. If somebody in the pew next to us saw our cell phones, we'd blush beyond measure because of how afraid we are that they'd see something that we don't want them to see in our life. And God help us and God forbid that be the case if it was our spouse looking at our phone. I'm talking about sin. I'm talking about sin. It still exists today. And even though the independent Baptist is being accused of legalism and how dare you preach against sin and have standards, listen to me today. I'm not worried if your standards and my standards aren't the exact same. I'm worried when there's no standard. None. Everything's free game. Do as you want. And there ain't nobody allowed to say nothing about it. That's not the God of your Bible. Amen. Amen. What's the problem? Reformation and verification. You know what Israel never did here? They never asked God if they should go war against the Philistines. How many times in the Bible did Israel go to God and say, now are we supposed to go to battle? And God say, no, don't worry about it. I'll just take care of it. And just whoop them himself. Israel's just like, you know what? Somebody's coming up against us. Let's go. Bring it. We can handle it. We'll take care of them. And the Bible said the Philistines put their battle in array. In other words, they said, we're coming and we're ready, just like the world is. They're ready for these little ones. Things are already being put into place to scoop them up and take them from you. Not my youngins. Yeah, my youngins. Josiah Hayes and Ada Renee. If I don't, if I'm not diligent, about the world taking them, the world's done God on them. And I better beg God and pray and be real serious about doing my best. Doing my best 
Are you listening? And asking God, Lord, God, are we supposed to do this? Is this the direction we're supposed to go? Verification. Should we send them to public school, Christian school, or home school? I don't care what you come to terms with on that, but it needs to be verified by God. I'm not dogmatic on any of it. Why? Because the Bible ain't dogmatic on any of that, as far as I know. But let me tell you something. You need to verify what God's will is for you and your youngins. Amen. 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 Get settled in your church and get committed to your church and get involved with your church and do something with your church and go to God in regards to your involvement with your church. Amen. Verify. Verify your job choice. Verify where you're working. Verify everything. Why? Because God has a will and God cares and He will. In all thy ways, acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. It's not hard to acknowledge Him. And I can't tell you how many times me and Heather, if we were being honest, man, we didn't fast for five days and, and go into a deep you know, state of 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 suffering in order to try to find God's will in certain ways, but I think about houses we've bought. I think about us just saying before we hit the road to go, look, Lord, if this is your will, you, you show us the way. And, and to see God bring... Brother Joe, I'm not smart enough to make money on nothing. And there's been times we buy a house and it be foreclosed, Cameron, and we stumbled across it. I don't know where to go find a foreclosed house. And God worked that out. And guess what? It all ended up putting us in the middle of Russell Springs, selling that house, getting a house in Russell Springs, where I pastor, and it was all God. Because I'm too ignorant to ever try to conjure up anything that God allowed us to see. Why? Because He's good like that. And He's able. And if we'll verify, He'll take care of us. We see a reformation, we see a verification. How many times are we guilty of just simply not asking Him and thinking, I can handle it on my own? And then guess what you'll find? A revelation. He'll show you. He'll show you where to go. Let me tell you young people something. God's got a will for you in regards to a job choice, a career choice, and in regards to ministry, and in regards to a spouse, He's got a will. Amen, church? And you need to care enough about it to ask Him. And He will give you His will just as clearly as He gave it to me. Because I am worse than you are. What do you mean worse? I didn't have a choice to go to church. I was made to. And here you sit. Y'all are dandies. And I, I praise the Lord for you. And you're to care, you're to care about what God would have you do. Reformation, get right with Him. Verification, ask Him His will. Revelation, He'll show you what you need to do to make it right. Israel never did that. Oh, you can have a shout. I've seen dudes get in a pulpit that was an orator, son. And they had all the right clothes on, son. Their shoes were, <laughs> you know, a $1,000 pair of shoes or more. I mean, they were fancy as they come. They could say all the right things. They could get people to really just, I'm talking about express some praise. And the whole time, they were living in open sin and shame. Why? Shouting don't, shouting don't account for a multitude of sins. You're trying to play the game of balances. Ah, my good deeds are outweighing my bad. No, the only way to get that thing straightened out is to get rid of the bad. And repent. Now, I'm not here tonight to look at y'all and say, you're wicked. You're wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. Tonight, honestly, most of the stuff I preach on is stuff I struggle with. Because that's really all I know to do. You listening to me? Things I know me over. And where I know if the devil and my flesh is going to get me, it's going to be in this area. And i got to be real diligent to prevent that. Y'all listening? Calvary Road Baptist Church, you want revival? 
that don't come just by shouting around. I'm all for shouting, and it's good, and we can give God praise. But if something ain't done between our, our, our soul, our, our, our heart, and God, that shout is a waste of time. Now, I came here this week to preach what we call a revival. And my goal is that your church experiences some of that. But there's only one way. It's to get our hearts right with God. Oh, I'm, I'm doing just fine there. Sir, sir, are you? You doing just fine? When's the last time you piled up on an altar in front of your youngins and children? In front of your wife and children? In front of your preacher? In front of your congregation? Ma'am, what about you? What about this? What about, God, God, God forbid, what about bitterness between the pews? What about holding grudges? You want revival? You got to get right with God. That's a fact. You want to see people start getting saved? You want God to give you that peace and comfort? You got to get your heart right. Shouting around ain't going to do it. I'm sorry. I'm trying to just address a problem that we're seeing in this day and age where people are walking into church and shouting and they're having quote unquote camp meeting and their house is littered and filled with sin. Got to get it right. There's an echo to revival here. And guess what it amounted to? Silence. You want real revival? It starts here. Let's stand to our feet. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Nobody's looking at Thank you again for listening to the Calvary Road Baptist Church Podcast. If you would like to learn more about our church in Shepherdsville, Kentucky, you can find the link to our website in the show notes to www.calvaryroadbaptistchurch.com. We're so thankful that you've taken the time to listen to today's sermon, and we hope that the Lord will use it to edify you in the faith. If you'd like to help spread the word about this podcast, you can do so by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, or by telling a friend. Thank you again, and have a blessed day in the Lord. Thank you.